Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Joining us now is someone you're familiar with, and I know you can't wait to hear more of, Johnny Rabbit. How are you? I'm fine. It's so good to hear your voice and so good to be on with you again, Ryan Recker. And now the overnight Americans, what are they going to do? They're going to miss you. <laughs> I know. What about the, but the, the midday Americans are going to hear you. You'll be there. Yeah, I do the long, stretched-out overnight America, which it'll be my last time doing it this week, which will be strange. I think people... Bring that up to me that they like it. Well, it's about 75, 25, 75% like it apparently. But um, so moving to midday starting next week, there have been all kinds of great conversations and history we've had here at night on Overnight America. I've really enjoyed those conversations. It'd be nice if we can keep it up in some fashion. I'm sure there's going to be things that'll need historical context, St. Louis historical context we can do in the future. Well, I hope so, because, you know, with uh, Bo Matthews, is really a great guy, and I've worked with him when we were both at WIL, when it was a country station, WIL, AM and FM, and then Carol Daniel. And, uh, and with your interest in history, and I've always been impressed, and I tell everybody that I talk about about you, is that you have, have shown such an interest in, in, in the history of the St. Louis, what, what is going on today, but also what's going on, what happened in the past to get us to where we are today, which is, I really appreciate that, and I think that's, that's very nice. A lot of people go to different markets and radio, eh, they do their stick, and they don't really uh, address the local situation. Well, you've, you've done it, and it, it seems like you've lived here for 50 years rather than for <laughs> whatever it's been, three years or four years. Or... Four years, yeah, and it doesn't seem like four years. It seems like it's just so quick. So moving to the middays, you've seen a lot of different radio personalities in St. Louis. Do you have any advice for me going to a daytime show? Be yourself. Uh, be, it's, you know, you're going from a, a one-person team, not to a two, but a three-person team, and that's going to take a little getting used to. Not, I don't mean just for you, but for anybody, uh, how it's going to work out. I guess who's going to talk next or who's going to respond to this question or answer. You know, get the, uh, the details worked out. But just be yourself. Uh, just uh, know that there's an audience there that will appreciate this. And what I like, the name, the St. Louis Talks, is that the name of it? Am I right yep, about St. that? St. Louis Talks, you're right. Yeah. Um, so we're going to be, obviously, talking about St. Louis. I mm-hmm. think there's even more opportunities to talk about the, uh, the stuff that I've been involved with, with books and with the presentations for Oasis and for the Missouri History Museum, because it just never 
ceases to amaze me the interest people have in the past in St. Louis. And I don't mean people that are in their 80s or 90s. I'm talking about people in their, their 20s, 30s, 40s that I hear from yeah. that really want to know what happened here. Why, why is this street named such and such? Why was that building built? Uh, what was it like? What was life like in the, during World War II or uh, the at, uh, opening mm-hmm. of the atomic age and so on? So, you know, I hope that there'll be a place on your, your show that once in a while, not just myself, but once in a while people can come in and, and talk about a specific thing that maybe they're involved with or doing. Oh, I'm sure there's a lot of those stories that will be told over the future. And I, I thought about you when the news stories were written up um, in the Post-Dispatch being one of them early on Friday morning. And they used a photograph from the website instead of the publicity photos we sent them. And it reminded me of a photograph that you showed at one of your presentations, or maybe you emailed it to me. It was one, um, I don't know if it was a newspaper article, but it was a picture of you from, couldn't guess the year, but I think you had a really nice beard going at the time. (laughs) That's right. And I thought, well, maybe I should grow a mustache for these photos, just so when I look back one year, I can say, oh, that's when I had a mustache. (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, I don't necessarily recommend that. No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Only if you wanted to. That's, yeah. uh, that's, uh, St. Uh, Louis is quite know, a uh, radio market. It's it's a, really one of those markets that I think the people that live here understand. It is um, There's something special to it. I mean, maybe they don't understand. Maybe because they don't have the same sort of living in other cities or maybe traveling to other large cities. Maybe they don't realize just the, the nice thing that they have here. Oh, yeah. Well, they do have a nice thing here, right? you know, and uh, having people like you three, they're going to be doing talking about what a kind of a nice thing we do have here. Gosh, you can certainly hear enough downer stuff, enough stuff that you know, uh, makes you want to turn off the radio or turn off TV. But there's so many uplifting things. Just, I mean, just yesterday, my wife and I were driving into an area that I hadn't really driven around for a while. It's uh, off of Lafayette and and Jefferson, and all of the beautiful homes that have been built there, there are the historic homes, but there are dozens and dozens and dozens of newer homes in this area west of, of Jefferson that is just exciting to see, that, that there's vitality here, and it needs to be sold, so to speak. People need to hear about it, and uh, radio is a good way to do it. It's funny, I'm just thinking, wearing a, growing a mustache, you, you know, people listening to the radio, they don't know what you look like. They have no, everybody has... You know, they, they assume they know, like listening to the radio years ago, what did the shadow look like? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, it was in your mind. So this is in any way you want to do it. Again, just be yourself, be up, upbeat, and as, as you do, care about our city and mm-hmm. care about the people in it. Or Johnny Dollar. What did he look like? <laughs> <laughs> and that's another thing. You have those people that some of those old shows, like the uh, Johnny Dollar shows, there were probably a half a dozen different actors that did that. It wasn't always the same person. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it is, but now people see you know, your pictures everywhere. I saw it on uh, several websites. And I do hope that KMOX will do a really good job of not just relying on pre-promotion, but after you get on advertising the show, because that is an important thing. There's so many, so many things that people listen to and watch today or hear today that they need to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I hope they do that because I, to me, that will be uh, help 
influence the success of the show, which I think it's going to be a great success. I do. Oh, thank you. We're looking forward to it. In fact, we're going to get together a couple of times, uh, one tomorrow and then one on Thursday, to just kind of get in the studio and just test out a couple of topics so we can kind of get a little feel for the dance, I think. And that'll be fun. We'll record those. And I suggested that we should save those and then we could um, play those a year from now on our one-year anniversary, what we sounded like before the show started, and see how it's changed since then. I'm sure there'll be a lot of changes. And I am uh, looking forward to that. And for me, just a couple of more nights of Overnight America, and yeah. then starting on Monday, May 3rd, so just a few days away from the start of St. Louis Talks. It's sure, funny. You're going to... You're right by doing a programming plan that, that that you can attempt to follow to start with, which may change as it goes along, and then the goals of the show and the topics to be addressed. Are you going to have a theme song? I want to have a theme song. In fact, we're going to have to talk about it more with the uh, uh, tomorrow. I'm going to bring it up. There's some pretty interesting people out there, and I've already had offers from my friends who did the uh, late night, the Overnight America theme oh, song, yeah. Doug and Donna. And they're great. They've already offered if they want to do something during the day. So I'm going to talk to them about it and see what they think. Oh, I hope somebody comes up with that. It'll be good. It'll be, it, it, it is different. Not that many people have themes anymore. And in my memories of radio, I can tell you all kinds of themes that people used over the years. So, mm -hmm. But this thing and jingles and all that stuff. Well, this is great. And thank you for taking such an interest in, in St. Louis from today, for the future, and from out of the past. Aww, well, thank you, and thank you for all the support and being a great guest and talking about these okay. things. It's always something that my curiosity is always driving me about certain St. Louis topics, and you're just a perfect source to answer those questions. Well, great. I've got one coming up for Oasis on the 24th of May. It's about sweet St. Louis, huh. uh, velvet freeze to vests and candy and dairies and ice cream. Unfortunately, you'll be on the air at that time, and you won't be able to be part of it. Uh, what time is that one oh. starting on the 24th? 10 o'clock. Yeah. 10 o'clock on Monday the 24th, oh, 10 a.m. Yeah. I, I guess I'll be preparing for the show. I, It'll be right before I we go. You will be, yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're keeping busy. And I know of people course. wonder. They want you back. They want to hear your show again. I hope that uh, someday soon that'll happen. I do, too. I, it's, it's in the works that it can happen. Uh, there's still a lot of details to be done, but I hope it happens soon. Johnny Rabbit, again, thank you for all the support, and thanks for coming on to Overnight America tonight. And thank you very much, Ryan. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line on Overnight America, KMOX. Earning St. Louis's trust for 96 years, this is KMOX. It's Overnight America. All right. Well, a couple of different mask mandates changing. Uh, the CDC unveils new mask guidance for fully vaccinated Americans. And they put out a nifty little graphic online. And here are fully vaccinated people. Look at all the smiling faces. And here's the unvaccinated people. Oh, boy. A lot of red there. Less safe. Less safe. And I'm looking at all of this. And I'm seeing, okay, if you're indoors, then if you're fully vaccinated, you have to wear a mask all the time. They say this is the safest to wear a mask indoors all the time. But they do say now that if you're going to go outdoors, like for a walk or a run <laughs> with members of your household, it's okay for you not to wear a mask either or. Oh, thank you, CDC, for the permission. And that's the thing. I'm not waiting for the CDC to give me permission to do things like, oh, I don't know, go for a bike ride without a mask. 
I'm not waiting for the CDC to tell me that when I am dining outdoors that I could uh, enjoy myself without a mask at the table. I'm not waiting for the CDC to tell me things like if I'm going to gather outdoors with uh, other people, if I'm going to wear it or not, just depending on what the situation looks like. And that's the thing. The CDC comes out and they say these things and they change it. And then there's a representative that says something else. And then they say, okay, that representative doesn't talk for the CDC, but they did this. And then it'll probably change two weeks from now anyway. So here is Rochelle Walensky from the CDC. As we gather more and more data on the real world efficacy of vaccines, we know that masked, fully vaccinated people can safely attend worship services inside go to an indoor restaurant or bar, and even participate in an indoor exercise class. The examples today show that when you are fully vaccinated, you can return to many activities safely, and most of them outdoors and unmasked, and begin to get back to normal. This is what I, you know, I I think about this, and I think the whole point of getting this vaccine is meant for you to be able to not contract the virus. It's supposed to give you some sort of immunity. And the whole idea of getting a lot of people vaccinated is for herd immunity, meaning that it's not going to be traveling around us. So if the point of the CDC is we're not at herd immunity, so even though you are still vaccinated with two of your shots, you still have to be careful by wearing a mask. But the reason why you have to be careful is because it would be bad if we had another outbreak and then things would be a lot worse. So we're just going to be careful. And that's not their message. Their message is to be safe. If you're fully vaccinated in some scenarios, it might be better for you to wear four masks. And, you know, a little tongue in cheek there. But when you look at this list and it, it seems like the shot doesn't do much in the grand scheme of things if they're still requiring you to do all the things as if you don't have the shot. And I like what Rand Paul brought up. Rand Paul said that a lot of this is for theater. You know, you have President Biden walking alone with no one close to him. Dan Marino couldn't even hit him with a Nerf football. I mean, there's there's no one close enough to to do that. And that's a reference from the 1990s when Dan Marino would be able to throw a Nerf football from one end of the stadium to the other. It's just to show you he's got a pretty good reach. So it's pretty far distance, but he's still wearing these masks. And I'm thinking, why are you doing that? (laughs) There's no one around you in your outdoors. You could take the mask off when you're walking down the aisle way or whatever, but he decides not to. So I look at that and think, of course, that's for show. Of course, that's the idea that we need to uh, stand together and do this and do that. So I'm going to show my support, even though I'm fully vaccinated. But I think you need to admit that some of this is for show, but they won't do that. And then when you mix in the politics of the health decisions that are being made, the politics of, I don't know, internally with the CDC or maybe the White House administration's pressure to the CDC, it also makes you wonder how much of this is politically motivated. But if uh, in the end, I think people are looking at this and they're saying, you're just not being straight with me. I mean, you're, you're playing the game. This is to you, not only something that could be looked at as an experiment because we still don't know, but at the same time, if you have evidence that's contrary to what you're requesting and you think that it's not in the people's best interest to follow what that science is of the new study or whatever, because you still you know, want to be utmost careful, then just be honest with us. Say those sort of things. But you're not doing that. In a way, you're being anti-science because if you're not being honest with us and what these things are saying and doing, you're making recommendations based on 
what the fear versus the actual science of it. One person that is getting really lit up online is Joe Rogan. He talked about this on his podcast. He's still one of the most listened to personalities in the country because he's got this podcast that millions of people will download and consume. Controversial in a way, mostly because he is just a freeform thinker and freeform speaker, as in he'll just have conversations about things, sometimes controversial. I don't think he's afraid to go against what the trend is. I don't think he's afraid to go out there and say this is stupid. And they were asking if, uh, you know, when people ask him about getting the vaccine, what his thoughts are on this. And he's someone that was originally in California. He decided to move to Texas because he was tired of just how crazy things were getting in California. So when you move to a state that has a little less restriction on your life as a business owner or anything like that, you have a different perspective for sure. Here's what he uh, brought up on his podcast that people are giving him a hard time for. And he shouldn't be getting a hard time for this. And people say, do you think it's safe to get vaccinated? I've said, yeah, I think for the most part, it's safe to get vaccinated. I do. I do. But if you're like 21 years old and you say to me, should I get vaccinated? I I go, no. Are you healthy? Are you a healthy person? Like, look, don't do anything stupid, but you should take care of yourself. You yeah. should if you're if you're a healthy person and you're exercising all the time and you're young and you're eating well, and like, I don't think you need to worry about this. You know, I think back when I was 21, I wasn't eating well, but I was exercising more. I was doing, you know, physical activity, going to the gym to run or do whatever, playing sports. I think I was playing indoor soccer at the time, volleyball or whatever with my friends. Uh, we were in a league, a sand volleyball or whatever at a bar. You know, this is a long time ago back when I don't think you'd recognize me back then. But still, uh, you know, I did a lot of exercise. And I was thinking if I was 21, would I take this? And no, I'm not. I wouldn't have. It, it, but now where I am today, I, I the, the circumstances change. I'm definitely not in the same shape. Uh, my body is still not <laughs> nearly in that same shape, though I wish it was. And I think about the hard things that people should be doing in order to protect themselves and living a healthy lifestyle is the thing that would really give you a much better chance at success of shaking this thing if you did contract it. If you were um, healthy enough where you're not considered obese and all of these other comorbidities that add all kinds of complications when it comes to the treatment of contracting this. Being up there in age with all kinds of other health issues, it's tough and it's a lot more difficult than being 21 and healthy and getting it. And it's there's there's no question about that. But it also needs to be pointed out that when you start to make these sort of decisions and you talk to a doctor about it, why doesn't the doctor say you should lose 10, 20, 30 pounds? And as opposed to saying, well, why don't you just get a vaccine and keep wearing a mask for the next year? I think the best thing for you to do is to realize that there are some other things out there that are very effective that other countries are doing. I don't think in other countries they're afraid to tell you to lose weight. And I think that here in the United States, among other countries, I mean, we're not the only one that's got issues with that, that it's just a a hard pill to swallow. And that's not the right pun to use because the vaccine's not a pill, but you get what I mean. One other thing I wanted to bring up real quick, I saw this in West Virginia. They're offering savings bonds to residents who are getting vaccinated that are at the younger age. So targeting those that are a little bit more skeptical, thinking they don't need it. Um, If you're 16 to 35 and get the vaccine, they'll give you a $100 savings bond, 16 to 35. I guess that's okay. I mean, they're spending a lot of money to do this, $380,000 apparently. So they did the math and you can actually see this. They got a whiteboard math 
And it's funny because it looks exactly what you would think a governor with a whiteboard would look like scribbling some numbers onto the screen or whatever to show the rest of the world. And I guess this is enough to get some people. But if you're 16, I'd see even if you take the number 21 out of it, if you're 16, why would you consider something like this right now? Honestly, I mean, the, 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 the chances of you getting sick over this sort of thing, very minimal. And to still um, you find that those under a certain age aren't even tested for this yet. So you're right at the threshold of when the they did the, the testing to begin with. There's really not a lot of numbers to justify. So you got to be honest with yourself. Is the incentive enough to change someone's mind? A hundred dollars. If the family members and other people in the pressures of society wasn't enough to get you to go. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? After the break, we're going to catch up with our friend Tom Sullivan. He's someone that has been watching local county politics. He's a watchdog. There's some developments in the county that I think are worth noting, and he's going to join us after the break. We'll take a look at your weather, too, on Overnight America KMOX. Keeps a close eye on county politics and someone we enjoy bringing on a lot of Tuesdays because the county council meeting. Tom Sullivan, how are you? I'm fine, uh, Ryan. Nice to be with you this evening. Keeping an eye on this, and uh, there's a couple of different things that have been developing in the county over the past week or so. And one that really grabbed my attention was that they are finally addressing what was going on when it comes to Sam Page's side job. We know that he is actually working and doing other things other than being the county executive. And we know that in writing, it says that as county executive, you have to devote your full time to that position. So having a side job would seem to uh, be in conflict to that. And for the longest time, it was known that this was going on, but nothing was done about it. And it sounds like tonight, at least something was brought up. That's correct, Ryan. Uh, Councilman Mark Harder who is the chair of the Ethics Commission. He basically has a correspondence that was on the agenda that the matter is going to be referred to the Ethics Commission, so which is his commission. So I would assume they're going to take it from there. They might have meetings. Uh, they might uh, ask various people to testify. Uh, we'll find out, I guess, uh, as, as we go along. But this is it, is, it is just a few days short of when Sam Page became county executive in 2019. So he will have held the job for two years, and apparently during all that time, he has had he has continued on with his side job as an anesthesiologist uh, for Mercy Hospital. So I guess this would qualify as an ethics uh, problem, as in, even though it's in direct conflict, it's not a legal question, it could be something else. Well, it's just a question of whether or not he's following the county charter, which says that the county executive must devote his full time full time to his duties. And the county executive's response has been, well, this is my private time. Well, I don't know how you figure private time and public time, but especially now with the pandemic going on, and, and Sam Page has been saying we're working around the clock trying to fight the uh, fight the virus, uh, it looks pretty bad that he's working a, another job. So uh, we don't know for sure how many, how many hours he spends on it. Some say that he's probably maybe working more than what he's saying, so... I guess we're going to be finding out as as the, the investigation goes along. Good. It, it would be good to know that. And I think, too, if they decide to do a audit regarding the COVID money that came through, and we're talking about lots of money, if there is some sort of conflict of interest, if someone is you know, paying him or the company that I believe he partially owns, if I remember correctly, and there is some sort of deal between that and a connection with COVID money, then there could be a huge ethics issue. Well, I would imagine that's something that they're going to look into. 
Uh, Sam Page is, as I understand it, he, he has somewhat of a partnership in the in um, this medical group, which is common among doctors, and they apparently do all the anesthesiologist work for uh, Mercy Hospital. So that raises uh, raises some more issues. So there's going to be a variety of different things that I would imagine that the Ethics Commission uh, is going to be looking at. And this is why I believe the executive that you can't have the side jobs because there could be these conflicts of interest. And it's pretty clear when you are in control of, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars between the first COVID and now the second COVID money that's going to be coming in. This is a, a pretty big deal. So this is good that the at least the committee is going to be looking into this. I also saw one of your commentaries about uh, the MSD and the Post-Dispatch did an article about the big tunnels and things that they're putting on. And I, I'm glad that you brought something up about that. Well, so in general, that project seems to have been lingering for the last couple of years. I remember hearing about it when I first moved here four years ago and, and uh, seeing that article was a reminder of it. Well, everything with MSD is kind of a complicated issue, but what kind of irritated me was the Post-Dispatch ran a, um, front page article yesterday and it made it sound like, wow, MSD is really, really addressing our, our uh, clean water issues in, in, in this area. The fact is, is that they passed the Clean Water Act in 1972. MSD has never been in compliance. They were sued by the state, sued by the federal government. And as a result of that, they came up with a consent decree, which is going to cost uh, $6 billion. And none of this was mentioned in, in the article. All it said was, you know, MSD is, is doing these tunnels, tunnel projects. What it's going to do is going to take uh, wastewater and stormwater and store it and then slowly release it to the, to the uh, wastewater uh, plant. The problem is that in the past is when you have combined sewers, meaning sanitary and stormwater together, the treatment plants can't handle it all, so they just, they just were putting it out in the, in, in the rivers. So it's a... It's a it's a uh, issue that's being addressed, but the idea that MSD is any hero in this uh, is rather ridiculous, and that's kind of what it, the article made him look like. Yeah, I was under the impression that during the Obama administration, when the EPA was cracking down on this, they made this a big initiative, meaning that larger cities, and it started with the largest cities, and then eventually well, the timeline for the smaller cities would have to comply. So this is just something that is a carryover from a, uh, something that was mandated years ago. It was mandated years ago, and with all these mandates, if you're making progress, uh, some progress, they would generally leave you alone. I mean, it's kind of like owing somebody some money. If you if you maybe not paying what you're supposed to be paying, you, you you're at least paying something. Uh, they'll leave you alone. But the problem with MSD is they were basically saying, no, we're not going to do anything, and uh, that that's when the um, the feds and the Justice Department and uh, the state of Missouri. Uh, that's when they took him to court, and that's and that's the result of it. And the, the really sad thing is that had they done this years ago, the federal government used to pick up the entire cost of the, of, of the clean water projects. Now they don't pick up anything. So, six billion dollars has been put on the backs of the of the people in St. Louis and St. Louis County. Tom Sullivan joining us and going back to the county council meeting. There's a few outstanding things that I wanted to ask you about. So, this audit of COVID money, are they any closer to determining what they're doing with that? Well, they passed a resolution asking the governor to order a state audit of the uh, CARES money. That's $173.5 million, which the county received from the federal government. And uh, it's up to the governor to decide what he wants to do. He, he uh, doesn't necessarily have to, but I think everybody is, is uh, thinking that he will. And in that case, uh, he orders the state auditor 
to do the audit, and then they come in and they go through they go through the 173.5 million dollars and and see if it has been spent uh, as it should. As we've discussed before, the county council has had no role in this whatsoever, uh, and also the state aud- uh, the county auditor has not been involved. So. $173.5 million has been spent with almost no oversight. Basically, uh, the county executive's been deciding it, and there's been a lot of questions about it. So it would be nice to have a state audit, especially when you have uh, another $200 million coming to see how, uh, to see, to make sure that it's spent as it should, and also to give some guidance on the future spending. Yeah, and it's not like the county council had nothing to do with it. They, I think it was a very dumb move for them to vote to say they don't want oversight. That was such a dumb thing to say, oh, there's such urgency that we don't need oversight. We just will we'll hand over the blank check and you can spend the way you feel fit was a terrible move. In retrospect, I think they've learned a valuable lesson about the, the mistakes of centralizing the power, which they should have known already. Um, and I also want to point out during the council meeting today, were there any other issues brought up that stand out to you? Yes, there was, uh, there was a couple of really a lot of discussion. One had to do with hiring outside law firms. There was four proposed ordinances to hire outside law firms for various matters. Uh, there's lawsuits against, uh, against the county for various reasons, and I think they also wanted to uh, uh, hire a law firm having to do with COVID matters. And they were all four were rejected by the council. And um, uh, this has been an issue that's been going on now for a couple of years. Uh, how come the county councilor is not able to handle some of these things? The county councilor responds that these are specialized matters and that uh, they're not able to do it. Uh, sometimes I have, that, I have a hard time believing some of that. For example, they just finished the, um, finished the negotiations over the, Northwest, the old Northwest Plaza leases and the, and the law firm there. Uh, collected three hundred thousand dollars, and it was didn't really go to court. It was just basically uh, negotiating back and forth, and uh, why they needed to have an outside uh, law firm, uh, I don't know. But at any rate, they they continually want to hire outside law firms, and I think the, the councils finally put put their foot down. So uh, that's been an ongoing ongoing issue. Another big issue tonight have to do with the moratorium on evictions. This has been another another. Um, a very controversial issue simply because the question is, does the county council have the authority to say, well, you can't evict people from from their home or their apartment? And uh, the question is, uh, doesn't look like they do. Uh, and at any rate, it's going to be going to court. It's pretty obvious. The, some representatives from some of the uh, some of the landlords have said that, you know, you can't be doing this. Uh, they've raised the issue of the fact that, you know, it actually makes it worse because sometimes uh, the tenants are able to they view this as kind of like a uh i don't have to pay my rent and uh so some of the tenants some of the landlords are very upset about that and it's a it's a thorny issue there's no doubt about it on the one hand people are concerned uh people are people are being put out of their out of their apartments to their other homes uh on the other hand uh, the question is whether the council has any legal authority to stop it Wow. It's lasted long enough, the eviction moratorium. Yeah, I I think that uh, matters like this in the county, going back to the lawyer thing, it makes you wonder if there's some sort of money tree somewhere they're hiding 
where they're finding all the money for this, getting flushed with all of these different, um, you know, COVID money coming in and they get these dollar signs in their eyes and they think they can do anything with it. It's very troubling because it's not going to be like this forever. And it's going to put us in a worse position, come to think, if we depend on the federal government continuing to shovel money at us, which uh, scares me, too, in the long run. I, I just hope that these politicians have figured this side of it out. So there, there's so many other things that are still lingering. And I got to say, this is my last week doing Overnight America, moving to middays next week. So I'm really going to miss these conversations. I hope that every once in a while, when there's some of these big issues, we can get you on to, during the middays. Well, thanks for having me on for discuss some of these things. Ryan, I think you're going to be great uh, during the daytime. And uh I'll be looking forward to seeing uh, how the pro- new program goes. Yeah, county politics are a big deal. Knowing when I moved here, keep in mind, there was all kinds of other issues. They were talking about mergers. They were trying to sell that idea. They were trying to make Steve Stenger the king of the region. And I'm, I'm thankful that didn't go through. Imagine how terrible a situation we would have been in if we put all our trust in Steve Stenger and the feds didn't come in and investigate all of that. So uh, all of these things, we need to keep an eye because the city and the county, it sounds like they are really trying to put something together to bring the two uh, aligned. And this is um, this is a big deal for the region. So I'm glad that all those years and all these decades you've been paying close attention, you, you, you know the history of it, and it's great to put context to it. Tom Sullivan, again, thank you for coming on tonight to Overnight America. Thanks for having me, Ryan. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line on Overnight America KMOX. Overnight America with Ryan Recker is sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Well, uh, that's about it for Overnight America. We're going to wrap things up here in a few minutes, but in the replay hour, next hour, I think you'll enjoy our interview with Bonnie Adario. She wrote a book called The Living Room, A Lung Cancer Community of Courage. So I also will check in with, um, uh, you know, I, I guess after that, if you want to go back into the podcast from earlier this hour, we had Johnny Rabbit on. I think you'll really enjoy hearing an update from him, Ryan Recker Radio on Facebook, if you want to go like that page. So it's going to talk about this earlier. KMOX did a story about the top high schools in Missouri in St. Louis High School ranked number one on that list. Metro Academic and Classical High School in St. Louis. Got a thing or two to learn. And being that I grew up in the Detroit area, I'm familiar with some of the Detroit high schools, but we don't really think of high schools the same way St. Louis people think of high schools. I don't think we go around and, uh, oh, what high school did you go to? You know, you talk about what city you go to. And you can kind of get an idea based on what city you live in, maybe what kind of background you had that kind of has that same feel. But the high schools, that's the barometer. But even living here in St. Louis the past four years, ever since I moved here, I don't get a lot of people asking me what high school I went to. They don't just assume I grew up here or whatever it is. And I thought that would be a common thing. I thought anyone you bump into, the first thing they would say is, oh, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. What high school did you go to? Doesn't really happen that way. Here are some of the top high schools in the state of Missouri. Uh, Number two is in Kansas City. Number three is Ledoux. Number four, Clayton High. Number five, Kirkwood Senior High. Number five, McKinley Classical Leadership. Uh, Then Baldwin's Parkway West, uh, Wildwoods Lafayette Senior High. 
Marquette and Chesterfield at number nine and Lindbergh and number 10 in the county. So those were the top high schools. So of the top 10, basically, they're all here in this area. If you exclude one from the Kansas City area. And they put a link to it, too, and they do this every once in a while. I mean, I think once a year they put this list out, and I really don't know how arbitrary it is. I really don't know how accurate it is. I, I don't. You could probably make a case for any of these high schools being the top in the state. It said that uh, Metro Academic and Classical High School, the top in Missouri, was number 137 in the country. And if you wanted to find out where your school district ranked, you can click the link and you can find it on there. Uh, there's another story at KMOX.com. St. Charles residents ranked number one in Missouri with highest earnings. I know a lot of people have been considering leaving the city or county. They're just tired of the crime and they're tired of the politics. They don't like the way things are going. In fact, they don't like the way things are trending. People are moving to St. Charles. I've seen a lot of people doing that. They just don't want to have to put up with getting jerked around all the time. And who knows what kind of other restrictions and things could be coming in the future. So that doesn't surprise me that you find that people that have the means move out there. It's like, I'm done with it. I'll see you guys later. Uh, wish I had more time to talk about that. Maybe tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow after Cardinals baseball for the next live show. And uh, join me online. Like the page, Ryan Recker Radio. Have a great night and enjoy the replay hour coming up next. Bye. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.